You're listening to the Podcast Network. Listen. Learn. Evolve. G'day, Rich. It's uh, Wednesday, the 8th of February, <laughs> 2006, mate. Mate, those decades fly by, don't they? Yeah. Now, we didn't do a show yesterday because I got caught up. So, we got two days' worth of stuff to talk about. Yeah. How you been? Yeah, I've been, been not so bad. How about you? I've been good, but uh, my iPod is broke yet oh, yeah. again. Recorded a great interview yesterday on my iPod for the Advita show. Got home to edit it to find out that uh, the hard drive is playing up again. Ah, Jesus. And usually when it does this, it writes itself in a day or two if I just leave it sitting there for some strange piece of Apple reasoning. So I don't know. So I don't know whether I should take it into Apple and lose everything on it, including the interview I did yesterday, which is irreplaceable for various reasons, or uh, just wait a couple of days. And if I take it into Apple, it's going to take two weeks to get it fixed or replaced, you know, as they... And this would be the fourth time I've had to take them in and get a new hard drive in this thing since, I don't know, the beginning of last year. Four times in 12 months at least. My brother has... He's, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He's he's onto his eighth iPod, and when I say eighth iPod, that he's only ever bought one. Apple have replaced the others. Damn. Yeah. Their, their quality control is just appalling. I don't know what the hell is going on. I mean, you know, as a long-term Microsoft guy, and this is my first experience in Apple, and I've got to say, not impressed. I love the design. Yeah, Belinda asked me earlier if I would buy another iPod, and I said, well, yeah, because, I, you know, for, you know, commercial reasons, I need to know what 70% of my audience is experiencing, and I'd probably get a video iPod so I can, you know, test out stuff on it. And I love the industrial design, and I love most of what they've done with the iPod. There's a few bugbears I have about it, not being able to delete files straight off the device and the way that they've locked the damn thing down so I can't walk up to my friend and, you know, plug our iPods in and share all of our music. But, uh, you know, the, the quality control on this thing is just a piece of shit. It's oh, I, actually, I actually reckon what it is, it's, it's actually more intuitive than we realise and all it's doing is it's figured out that you're a Windows user and if it doesn't break once in a while and you're uncomfortable with the technology. Ah, uh, you're so funny, son boy. <laughs> and see, uh, Touchwood, um, I've, this is, I'm onto my second iPod through choice because I bought the video one recently. I had no major issues with either of Touchwood, because, yeah, that's bound to jinx me and it'll all be buggered tomorrow. So that's my uh, first piece of news. I recorded the first episode of Napoleon 101 yesterday, which is the first show in, or uh, on, in, on, I don't know what the right word is there, for, of TPN Education, which is something that I've been talking about for, damn, seven or eight months. 
and um, haven't really built, the, you know, haven't got Mano to build the whole TPN education site out yet so that explains to people what it is. But um, I've told you a bit about this before. I've talked about it on the show, haven't I? Yep, you have. So I'm excited about that, and it was a hoot of a show. David Markham, who is my co-host, is one of the leading Napoleonic authorities in the world. So as a Napoleonic geek, it's just a hoot. And he's a top bloke. So it's just an absolute geek fest for me to get to talk to David. In fact, I realised yesterday that this is the first time in 20 years that I've had the opportunity to talk to somebody who knows more about Napoleon than I do. And Which must be cool. It was way cool, man. Like, just to geek out for an hour with another Napoleon geek is, is cool enough. But somebody who knows as much as David does and has written, you know, eight or ten books or something and been on, you know, been featured in several documentaries and is the president of the Napoleonic Alliance and executive vice president of the International Napoleonic Society and all this kind of stuff... It's just uh, was an absolute hoot, and reminds me why I do podcasting. You know, it's yeah. You need those things to happen on a regular basis to go. Yeah, man, that's what's cool about this shit. And it's not for every. You know, it's not for anybody else. I don't give a rat's ass if nobody listens to this show. Actually, my investment banker said, "Please stop saying that." Let's say, <laughs> no, no, this is a commercial venture and it's all for profit. But seriously, I'm doing it for my. I mean. Yes, I hope that we get lots and lots of listeners, and I hope this is the way that lots of people discover Napoleon and, and that it exposes Napoleon to a whole new audience and a new generation and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm doing it because it's just a hoot for me to talk to David. And uh... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the, the key. I and mean, We've had many discussions before I left Sun and stuff like that about you know doing something that you love. So every, everybody should get out there and do what they love and then pray like buggery that they can make some money out of it so they can feed the family. Well, yeah, and, you know, I've I, I've had the opportunity in the last year, I remember a demo last year getting to talk to um, a number of successful entrepreneurs who all said this, exactly the same thing. You know, if you find something that you really love to do, the money will come, you know. It, if you're, you know, completely passionate about something and you throw yourself into it, it's supposedly one of the laws of the universe that uh, you'll figure you know you'll figure out a way to make a quid yeah it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be Bill Gates but uh, you'll figure out a way to make a quid so I'm (laughs) I'm I'm still waiting for that to actually (laughs) come true for me but uh, you know the signs are there I believe that it's a a truism yep well it doesn't mean you don't have to work your ass off um, but still but you'll but you'll work your ass off loving what you do right that's the point yeah. You'll work harder and smarter if you're enjoying what you're doing yeah. than, than if you don't enjoy what you do. You, you won't work hard and you, you won't work smart at all, right? So that's, Or even that's if you think you enjoy it but you're, you, you're doing it for superficial reasons, like, you know, I, I, a lot of my friends who are still working at Microsoft and I catch up with them and, you know, slap them about and tell them to, their life is running out. And they're like, oh, you know, it pays the bills and, you know, I've got this mortgage and, you know, I'm like, dude, this is the only life you're ever going to have. And I know that I was there for six years, but I spent that six years trying to fi- find a startup to do. And uh, I, you know, eventually realised that you can't do that. I mean, very rarely does that work out, I think. And I had a lot of advice from a lot of good friends who said, pull the pin, get the hell out, and then you'll figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. Anyway, people don't want to hear about that, although I did get an email yesterday from uh, Jody up in Queensland, and Jody was saying, Cameron, I want you to 
tell us all about your daily schedule. <laughs> and how you fit it in, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, no, nah, man, that's as boring as hell. I'm not going to... So I, I'm not going to go into that, but... Um, <laughs> but her point was that she wanted to know how you managed to read so many books. I think Jodie's a bloke, actually. <laughs> Is Jodie a bloke or a girl? I don't know. Jodie Miners. Did you see that? Know. Where did you see that? She CC'd me. Oh! You, you obviously don't pay any attention <laughs> at all to the uh, header information on your email. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't pay attention to most things. I wondered how you knew what Jodie was talking about. Uh, yeah, I'd like to say because I'm really bright or um, I have superpowers. Well, here's but no. yeah, but here's, here's here's where my sexism comes in. When I googled Jody and found out that Jody works for SSW and does teaches people how to do SQL design, I figured Jody's a bloke. Now it's possible that Jody's a chick and that chicks do SQL stuff because I've known one or two sort of Microsoft you know chicks in my time. But you know, well, I'm st- statistically speaking. Stepping out of the conversation now because I've had one too many run-ins with people about sexism in the last month. Oh, have you? Oh, yes. Oh, I know. Yeah, you yes, know about you that. Have. Yes, you have. Okay. Well, Jody, if you're a chick or a bloke, either way, I don't care. Thank you for the email. It made my day. And uh, but yeah, my life is very boring, man. Um. So, uh, but lots of TPN shows launching today too. Um, the box office weekly show. Should be up today. The Love Show. <laughs> Should the be Love Show. I haven't heard about that one. No, this is this is going to be cool, man. Um, I think. <laughs> Go to love.thepodcastnetwork.com for a sneak preview. Um, here's the show synopsis. This show is for all you lovers out there to declare your love for anything and anyone via podcast. Love isn't just for Valentine's Day. It's for every day. So if it's cars or the cinema you love, then let Flange the Love Robot know and your submission will be edited together and mixed with Podsafe music and then let free for everyone to hear. The pilot that um, Flange did... <laughs> I don't know if, if the host wants to keep his name secret, but so I'll call him Flange. It's great. <laughs> I want to know what Flange is. Well, Flange is, Flange is uh, this electronic uh, you know, text-to-speech kind of voice that talks like this... And so the whole show is hosted in this voice. <laughs> and um, and then it's just linking clips together or that people are supposed to submit. We've got to come up with a good way for them to do that. About, you know, stuff that they, they're they passionate about. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know. It appeals to me. Cause I, I thought it was a crazy, wacky idea, but I thought, hey, why the hell not? Podcasting cool. should be about supporting crazy, wacky ideas. If we're not doing that, what the hell are we doing? And people should be allowed to do it anonymously as well, I suppose. Yeah, why the hell not? And um, the Box Office Weekly Show is a great show. Uh, Going to come out by Daniel Kraus in California, Hollywood, California. Daniel's uh, coming out of the movie business. He's been in it for a while, and now I think he sells mortgage insurance or something. But uh, He's a screenwriter and uh, editor and done a bunch of stuff. So he's oh, wow. box office weekly results. And I, and to I like how he's staying away from the uh, tabloid crap. He said that he's, he's not getting into it. You can read about it in magazines. He's just going to talk about the facts. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, which brings me to some of the news today, actually. I shot Daniel this article. Chris Anderson's written a new post. Ah, oh, yes. Death of the Blockbuster Part 4. 
Chris Anderson, obviously. Uh, editor, is he? Chief yeah, editor. chief editor. Chief editor, wide Chief magazine. editor. Friend of yours, been a guest on Gadget Show. Yep. Number one, n- another reason why Gadget Show was voted number one podcast in Australia, ladies and gentlemen. And number one, screw G- Ricky Gervais. I'm saying the Gadget Show is the number one podcast in the world. Uh, and uh, so he's basically taking a closer look at what's happening with um, box office numbers. And, you know, he says, depending on how you cut it, well, well, basically, if you drill down, box office, blockbuster box office receipts are way down. Now, if you look at the actual number of top 100 movies by half decade, I'm not quite sure what that means. Does that mean, you know, the movies that are in the top 100, which decades they came from? I guess that's probably what it means. Um, hmm. the, you I know, would have thought it was, like, uh, for the last five years, but that can't be right, because... Otherwise, you'd just say for the last five years. Yeah, I'm assuming he means if you look at the top 100 movies, now I don't know whose criterion that is based on. Box office receipts. Oh, yeah, okay, could be, yeah. Uh, That makes sense, probably box office receipts. So you've got, you know, the the, the largest component broken into five-year brackets comes from 2001 to 2005. But if you look at box office revenues, they kind of peaked a couple of years ago and started to decline in the last year. But he said that uh, cinema chains, movie theatres, have raised their prices recently, which is why the Uh. box office receipts are up. So if you actually look at box office attendance indexed to total population, it's been... It had a peak around about 2002 and then has been steadily declining since then. Which makes complete sense, because most of the movies have been crap. Yeah. And 2002 would probably be uh, Attack of the Clones and uh, Matrix, uh, and probably, you know, just post-9-11, people needed some escapism. I don't know. Hmm. And then if you... uh, So if you look at all these revenues, the bottom line is that blockbuster movies are not pulling in the punters. And... You know, and he goes on to explain why, um, you know, DVD, the internet, etc., etc., stuff that we know. And there's just a, a bigger diversity of stuff that people can do. Yeah, like listening to podcasts. Exactly. I mean, you know, reading blogs, listening to podcasts, watching DVDs in the comfort of their own home, etc., uh, etc. Et so this is a trend that, that I believe is going to continue. You know, that I've been saying for a year now there's going to be such an explosion of audio and video content uh, available to us over the next over the, the course of this decade that's going to be available for free for people to download over the internet that um, your, your, your traditional mainstream media companies um, are going to have to completely re-engineer the way that they think about the economics of their business um, or, yep. I don't know, find some way of shutting it down, which is the other you know, possibility. Yeah, well, hopefully not. But, um, I mean, I'd hate to see the, you know, movie cinemas to go out of business because I love going to the cinema. And, in fact, we've just recently, uh, because we don't get to go as often, having a two-year-old and with me writing books and stuff like that, we've been going to um, Gold Class. You've been to Gold Class? 
Yeah, very nice golf clubs. And, um, which is a stupid thing to do just before you quit your job and you, you don't have an income anymore. But because um, it costs a bit more. But if you go through the day, which a bum can do, um, <laughs> it, it's 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 not as pricey. It's actually only a smidge more expensive than uh, going to the movies normally. Yeah, and you get these. Yeah, you go through the go through the day, um, and and so you've got recliners, and they bring in your you know in my case a, a little bit of whiskey and <laughs> tub full of chocolates. Whiskey not through the day, by the way. That's in the evening. <laughs> I was saying, mate, you're only one step removed from taking a flask in your hip pocket and. Uh you know, sneaking a mate. Sneaking I've, a I've considered it because they'll they'll only give me like one measure of whiskey, and like I'm I'm used to drinking like four because you know one is like you know a mouthful. Yeah. And and, and so they give you one measure, and you can't have a double shot. No, you've got to wait 15 minutes before you can have your second one because they don't basically they don't want people going in there and getting paralytic, right, or or causing a ruckus. So they limit the amount of alcohol, which is good, you know, because it obviously keeps the uh, clientele um, up and up. So yeah. But anyway, I'd hate to see the cinema, and I think that could be part of it. You know, that that's the way for them to get out of getting things like gold class and doing some other things and making it, you know, a really pleasant experience and big screen and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I like you, obviously, being a movie buff. I, I love the big screen experience, but um, you know, I'm 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 just over. Movies like King Kong, uh, which I thought was pretty much a waste of time, apart from the head-sucking scene and the big uh, insects, which I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. It was pretty much boring. Three hours of, yeah... That was self-indulgence, though, right? There was one reason that movie got made, and it was because Peter Jackson just wanted to make it. Um, and unfortunately, through self-indulgence, it turned into a, but, a but, very rich yeah, movie. But, but, but movie directors should be self-indulgent. All artists should, should be self-indulgent. Podcasters should be self-indulgent. The, the creation of, of art, the creation of media and content should be self-indulgent. You should be doing it out of love and passion as much as anything else. So I don't have any problems with that. And he can go and you know spend a trillion dollars... Taking you know images of his own t- testicles for all I care <laughs> if he's passionate about it. Uh, yeah, so I don't have a problem with that. But it's more about the kind of movies that are getting made. I mean, you know, yeah, the special effects are amazing, but I'm over that. You know, to me, that kind of peaked with the Titanic. And you know, I love James Cameron's as a director, and he's made some of the greatest movies of the last twenty years. But you know, the Titanic was just, yeah, they're, 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 you know, that was sort of the, the high watermark for me of great special effects, but who gives a rip because it was a boring story and I wished all the characters were dead. Um, and, you know, the fact that most of them did die didn't really help matters. Um, <laughs> you know, whereas, you know, the, a lot of the films that are up for the uh, Academy Awards this year are the complete opposite. Good night and good luck. No special effects. Um, uh, Munich. There's probably some special effects in there, but, you know, they're, they're, they're minimal. And this is Spielberg, you know, Spielberg making a f- movie with little, if any, special effects. I mean, if there is any special effects, it's probably to, you know, recreate the Twin Towers in the final shot of New York. Um, you know, they, they're there to serve a story built around characters and built around drama and built around telling a story, which is is what I hope Hollywood is getting back to. I'm still... Um, stuck on Peter Jackson's balls and 
thinking it, <laughs> and thinking the movie should be called King Kong 2. <laughs> uh, very nice. <laughs> very nice. But, you know, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not bagging Peter Jackson. Good New Zealander boy. You know, we love adopting New Zealanders in Australia, so... Uh, oh, I think he's great. Yeah, I just think it was because, yeah, he wanted to make it and good luck and... and He's done it, and it's all good. And uh, and now I'm looking forward to some of the new things that he's he's got in the in the plans. Yeah, well, you should come on the movie show and be a guest host, mate. Yeah, no worries. I've got plenty of time. For, I'm looking for some guest hosts on the movie show, actually, because you and drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> oh, hold on, I'm just watching some video of Sharon Stone naked in Basic Instinct Two. Oh. Oh, flick me the uh, URL for that one. <laughs> I will, I will. Just told your horses there, little fella. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't realise this was going to be a movie. I thought it was going to be images. I've got this as off of uh, Ain't It Cool News. I know we normally do technology news, but we're, we're just sort of all over the place today, as usual. Um, it's probably going to mess with the quality of the Skype call too, but, you know, it doesn't matter. You can watch it at the same time. We can just groan and ooh and ah together. So uh, what I'm watching at the moment is Sharon Stone's naked breasts as she jumps into a spa. Um, Sharon Stone, oh, there's a bit of lesbian action going on here. <laughs> uh, yeah, bit of spread legs. Didn't actually see any gas shot there, but uh, I'm not not big on the uh, the long hair though. She uh, oh, like Sharon Stone swimming. naked getting out of a pool. Sharon Stone naked swimming in a pool. Sharon Stone naked getting out of a spa. Looks like so it should just be called Sharon Stone Naked <laughs> instead of Basic Instinct 2. Well, you know, you'd probably get more people. They're talking about reasons for people to go and see the big screen, I tell you. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is uh, heavy on the soft porn, the old Basic Instinct 2. And why the hell not? More titillation in films, that's what we need. Yep, I'm up to the... Obviously, he's wearing a dog collar. But anyway, enough of that. People can't see it. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that in the privacy of my own room later. <laughs> okay. um, all right, so let's get on to more tech news. Um, MSN changing its name to the MSN Media Network. Getting this off uh, liveside.net blog. Uh, says uh, several sources have indicated to us that MSN plans to relaunch itself as the MSN Media Network, whilst at the same time expanding its range of interactive and content-rich services. As well as continuing to deliver content through MSN.com and MSN Music, the MSN video team is evolving to include movies and TV. Uh, we've also learned that there are plans to launch a new podcasting service later this year featuring MSN-produced content such as celebrity interviews. However, it remains unclear at this time whether all podcasters will be free to list on the new site or whether it will only feature MSN-approved content. This move comes barely a month after Microsoft confirmed it was pulling out of its joint media venture with NBC, showing that Microsoft clearly believes the future of content is via the internet as opposed to traditional media. Uh, I, I hadn't heard that they were, or maybe I had heard that they were pulling out of MSNBC. Had you heard that? Yeah, I'd heard the the two were splitting up. It was a few weeks back, wasn't it? Two, uh, three weeks back? Two I weeks back. Have, I mustn't have been paying attention. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you know, it was only kind of good for publicity at the time, really. I mean, I wouldn't suggest that there was... Well, I suppose big media companies needed their hand-holding when, the, uh, when they wanted to jump into the internet, so that was probably more to do with it. Uh, 
yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I think that Microsoft did have, um, you know, 10 years ago, genuine interest in getting into the media business and becoming more of a media company. Um, but, you know, I, I also suspect that over the last uh, five years, they've decided to stick to their knitting somewhat. You know, they sold Expedia and they sold a number of the businesses that they had. Uh, City Search. Uh, was City Search? I think City Search was an MSN-based thing. I think no, so, yeah. Sidewalk. Sidewalk it was. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, obviously, they've got incredible reach with Windows and the ability to deliver a lot of stuff. But everything that they've done in this space, except maybe Slate, Slate in its heyday was a pretty good little property. Um, but then yeah, they kind of lost the founder and it, 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 it went downhill. But, you know, they, they really haven't had a good... I mean, they're a big, comp, big boring sort of technology corporation now. They, they, they really shouldn't be producing... Well, I mean, they can do whatever the hell they like, but it's kind of like 90% in Australia. Uh, it's kind of boring, bland, crap media for the masses. Now, that's obviously, you know directly affiliated with Channel 9, which is boring, bland, crap media for the masses. Um, I'd like to say hello to my investment bankers at this moment. That, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're going speaking to MSN right now. They're probably pitching to our presentation at MS, 9 MSN right now, but come on, let's face it. And, they'd say, and, they'd, and what they did was they say, hey, we'll listen to this show. It's just been <laughs> uploaded. Have a listen. To oh, yeah, maybe we picked the wrong one. Um. But, you know, I'm just... Uh, but that's what the, it's designed for. The content is designed for the great unwashed, for middle America or middle Australia, you know. It's not designed for you and me. It's not designed for people who have actually read a book in the last couple of years and uh, actually can think, which is what <laughs> well, uh, podcasting is, as far as I'm concerned, all about. I'm looking forward to seeing what Microsoft do with with media and uh, and and their involvement in that business only because I think the 360 is such uh, the Xbox 360 that is is such a good play into people's living living rooms that they absolutely beyond a doubt must be thinking um, movies and and music and news and anything else that'll actually stream or download to a a set-top box which is effectively what the uh, what part of the 360 is so i think um hey maybe they're not planning on building the content maybe they're just planning on being the um i don't know what would you call it what's a set-top box you can't even call that a network can you it's just plug it into the internet and who knows? But um, I think it's a. It'll be an interesting few years. I'm I'm absolutely positive they're going to do some stuff, whether it's you know movies on demand or whatever. Sorry, were you saying something then? I was just watching a sex scene from Basic Instinct. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer's got like a, a full two minutes of a sex scene in it, man. Does it? This is the greatest you... trailer in history. <laughs> You, well, because oh, I don't need much more than two minutes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this is the most valuable trailer in movie history. I'm, I'm putting it right up there. Yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll reserve. I'll watch it later. <laughs> um, so, do you want to? Do you want to go off and you know be uh, alone no, for a while, and I'll um, carry on with the show? I'm, al- I'm already spent, mate. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, just think about Peter Jackson's balls. <laughs> oh. <That'll laughs> it's meant to have the opposite effect. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, you're right. 
I thought you meant dancers, which is what I was talking about before. His, oh no, I said testicles, didn't I? Yeah. I thought you meant his dancers. Like he puts on a good show, puts big, big. Oh, his balls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Funny. Oh, yeah, no. good, good one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So look. Um, uh, oh, Graham Sutherland, our co-host from the other day, just popped up and is talking about Fon again. Go away. Is he? We're doing a show. <laughs> he yeah. says he'll be Fon enabling the free hotspot in Fremantle. That, so that's nice, Graham. We talked about it. That's old news. That's like yeah. two days old. <laughs> I, so I, I've just told him that. I've just told everyone. So there you go. That, how, how's that for talkback? Live talkback. Graham IMs me. I tell the audience. They've got it. A couple of hours from now when I put up the show. Cause let's have a look. Because have you got... Uh, yeah, yeah, recording at AWOL. Yeah, so um, he's, he's there you go. He's ignoring that and just ignoring me. But that's, that's one way to get a movie. Now, um, you know uh, that I spoke to Doc Searles recently and Doc was saying, the telcos are going to shut down the internet. <laughs> hey, Graham just said, hey, mate, talk back radio. So he's, <laughs> he's reading our mind as well. Um, I'm going to say, we just said that. That's pretty impressive. While you're doing while you're doing that, um, because this is this is exactly what we talked about. We were talking. I mean, and this comes back to Fon again. All perfect timing, man. Yeah. Um, because we were talking about Fon and Google's investment in Fon and why Google would be doing it. And one of the reasons they would be doing it is because the telcos are trying to uh, shut them down or charge them because they're, in telcos' minds, they're stealing the bandwidth and, and getting a free lunch. So, um, yeah, in the news today, I'm, it's getting a lot of airplay. The uh, senior exec, senior vice president of Verizon Communications, big telco in the U.S., uh, yesterday accused Google Inc. of freeloading for gaining access to people's homes using a network of lines and cables the phone company spent billions of dollars to build. Uh, well, customers might have paid them billions yeah. of dollars to build that, but, you know. He goes, on, oh, no, the network builders are spending a fortune constructing and maintaining the networks that Google intends to ride <laughs> on with nothing but cheap servers. Thorn told a conference marking the 10th anniversary of the Telecommunications Act in 1996, they're enjoying a free lunch that should, by any rational account, be the lunch of the facilities providers. I'll give you a lunch. Have two, you seen two parts the... Uh, arsenic and two... Uh, fuck off. Who, who are these people? He sounds like, in your interpretation of his voice, the, uh, the, the, the dweeby guy in The Simpsons that works at, you know, um, at a fast food chain or whatever. Right, fast food chain. Oh, no, the one he goes, oh, and he drops the fries. He drops fries yeah. into the, uh, the the burning oil or whatever. He goes, oh, sorry, sir, I'll get them for you. <laughs> You're right. I know the character you're talking about. Very good. I thought you meant um, comic book guy for a minute, but that's a completely different voice. Yes. Um, yeah, and you're right. And, and as Vint Cerf pointed out in this Washington uh, Post article that I'm reading. You know, as Vince Cerf said, and Vint is obviously the guy who invented the internet before Al Gore, and he's now the vice president and chief internet evangelist at Google, and he said, in the internet world, both ends essentially pay for access to the internet system, and so the providers of access get compensated by the users at each end. My big concern is that suddenly access providers want to step in the middle and create a toll road to limit customers' ability to get access to services of their choice, even though they have paid for access to the network in the first place. So, you know, it, it, let's take TPN as an example. I pay 
for servers at the ISP. I'm paying, you know, a, a bandwidth charge to upload our shows to the internet. We're doing a couple of terabytes a month at the moment. I pay for that. And then you listeners are paying an internet access charge to download the shows to, you know, an ISP, and it's all trickling back to the telcos who. But it, it goes even beyond. Goes beyond that. Let's start with a host. So a host pays for bandwidth from his home. Uh, in, in, and in my case, I'm paying for the bandwidth to yeah. record the show, then right. upload the show to the TPN servers. Then, then you the are paying. Pays. Then you're paying even from your home, and then TPN pays for the the bandwidth to go to the customer, and the customer or the the listener is then paying for the bandwidth to access the internet as well. So in that case, they've got three bites of the damn cherry. So what are they complaining about? And I don't know about other telcos, but Telstra over here is making billions of dollars and they're whinging about not getting a piece of Google's pie. They are greedy dickheads is what it's all about. Greedy dickheads and they can all fuck off and die. Yep. Sorry, I know I'm not supposed to swear on the show. Frack off and die. You frackin' mother frackers. <laughs> is that better? Is that, kid, is that kitty safe now? Probably not, but they, they wouldn't know what we're talking about anyway. Kids shouldn't be listening to the fracking show in the first place. And if you're, listen, if you're letting your kids listen to the fracking show, then you need your fracking head read. Because this, <laughs> my, is, gr- my, this is growing up stuff, is, people. My guess is that if some kids are listening to the show, their parents probably don't know what one is. A pod what? <laughs> and my kids are just sitting outside the door listening to me record the show. So <laughs> <laughs> It's just a word, people. I think I've done that rant. All right, let's yeah, you've on. done that rant. So, yeah, look, you're absolutely right, mate. So they're not only double dipping, they're triple or quadruple dipping already, these bastards, and now they want more. They can just, you know, th- you know. so this is exactly why we need FON. It's exactly why we need Google and Skype and FON to build alternative networks as fast as humanly possible and just provide us with some alternatives to these idiot arsehole telcos who think they, you know have some sort of inheritance on while we're uh, while we're on about this again it ties in nicely because we talked a bit about it the other day i talked about um uh, opening spectrum and i wanted to mention this because i think um this is um, just as important in understanding that telcos are trying to make a squillion off of you know everybody oh. else um uh, we're back um What's his first name? Um, um, Kevin? Kevin Verbach. Hey, hold on. Before you go on, I'm just uh, conferencing in my mate from Tasmania, Bruce Moyle of Joffrey mm. Street Productions, um, the main man behind the Cool Shite on the Tube movie podcast, which is, even though they're not a TPN show, even though I've been trying for about a year, these guys do one of the best movie shows out there, and they're absolute hoot, funny as hell, Bruce and and. Q-Dog and Chris and all the guys. Ardon, better make sure I don't forget anyone. Triple B, but she's now left to go to... She's moved. Um, do a really great movie show from Tasmania. I, I get so many movie tips from these guys, it's not funny. And so I'm about to uh, hook Bruce in when he gets his microphone set up. Good old Australian name is Bruce. Um, 
But what the government, the FCC in the US, are suggesting they're going to do is uh, here, President Bush's new budget proposal includes a provision authorising the FCC to impose user fees on unlicensed wireless. That's Wi-Fi, car door openers, baby monitors. The Wi-Fi tax. This is a dangerous idea, clearly pushed by incumbent licensed wireless operators to dampen competition from innovative new approaches. Um, so basically, it's the reverse of what everybody was hoping hoping would happen, which is they would open up more um, of the spectrum so people could use it for innovative approaches. And now what they're suggesting doing is taking a step back and actually starting to charge people for using that part of the spectrum. Now, I just read another article that was talking about spectrum um, policy in the US and how many billions of dollars that the US government were going to make off of um, licenses in the next few years. Now, this is an abuse of power because we don't need spectrum policy anymore because technology is caught up to a point where we can actually get rid of it and start filtering it from, uh, you know, from devices rather than anything else. Now, there's plenty of arguments, especially the military love to jump in and say that this is really bad. But, hey, computers can really do some marvellous things, including filtering out packets and stuff like that. Now, we do it on the internet already. Let's get over it. But I think everybody needs to be really aware of this absolutely ludicrous idea that, let's face it, Bush hasn't got any good ideas um, to do with uh, licensing spectrum. Well, he has lots of good ideas if it you know, involves screwing everyone except his mates in the oil and the military over, oil industry and the military. Um, they love yes. him. You know, he's they made, do. Exxon love him. He's made more money uh, than fucking God this year. All right, now, we've got a little bit of a problem here, Rich. Uh, trying to conference in Bruce failed. Now I'm going to have to cancel him, and that normally kills Skyler because Jeremy uh, hasn't got his shit together. All right, I have to call you back. Okie doggies. Welcome to Love at the Podcast Network. I bet you were wondering what the hell is this. Well, the show is for all you lovers out there to declare your love for anything and anyone via podcast. Love shouldn't just be for Valentine's Day, it should be for every day. So if it's cars or the cinema you love, then let Flange the Love Robot know and your submission will be edited together and mixed with safe music and then let free for everyone to hear. Meet Bruce. Bruce, meet Rich. G'day, G'day. Bruce. How you going? I feel like I'm in um, Finding Nemo all of a sudden. Oh, thanks. Bruce, uh, g'day. Well, yeah, Bruce the shark. <laughs> yeah. I'm Bruce of the sheep dip. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get back on with it. So, uh, Rich was just... We, we've been just talking today uh, at the moment, Bruce. You're about halfway into the show, mate. We've been talking about Verizon, uh, some senior vice... Dickhead at Verizon saying that uh, they want to charge Google, etc., for using their pipes. And oh. um, then we were talking about the Wi-Fi ta- the Wi-Fi tax that GWB is supposedly uh, going to put into place. But of course, there, there are people rich saying that this is uh, badness. Joe Sunderman, the wet machine blog. Have you read that? No, I personally haven't. No. 
He says, uh, stop the Wi-Fi tax rumour. Freaking trade press should know better, or at least learn to read more carefully. I think freaking, by the way, is a clever way of saying fucking. You know, apparently, yes. if, you, if you say freaking, it's not offensive. But if you say fucking, it is offensive, because people don't know when you say freaking that you're really saying fucking. <laughs> it's great. There is a steady drumbeat of reports, starting, I think, with this one at RCR Wireless News, that the president wants a Wi-Fi tax. This is, bluntly, a misreading of the plain language of the president's budget proposal. Lord knows where, uh, Lord knows there is plenty in the proposed budget not to like, but there is no Wi-Fi tax. My analysis, and a little context below... And, you know, if people want to read that, they can go read it. I'll put a link up. So that's on wetmachine.com. So so what's the point of this tax? Is it, like, to try and stop the proliferation of Wi-Fi, or...? No, it's for the government to make more money. Yeah, fair enough. In yeah, fact, and, 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 and in fact, that's basically... And, yeah, I mean, and that's cool if, it, if it's not true. Um, let's hope it's not. But the, the idea is that people should start paying a bit more attention to it because spectrum policy as it is is effectively at the moment just uh, it's just a tax for the government to make money off of it's it used to be a tax to ensure that you know people used radio frequencies correctly and, and stuff like that and there wasn't interference and you know there were all these reasons you know a hundred years ago for there to be um, a tax on radio frequency. Now there, now that we've got computers that can effectively filter out any interference, and yes, of course, there needs to be provisions for, you know, different types of things going out and being used. I mean, we know this isn't going to happen, especially with Bush in presidency, but effectively at the moment, anything to do with Spectrum and any government fees associated with it is just a, a lovely way for the government government to make money off of people. Now, what would they be doing with it, those dollars then? Were they going to put it back into research and development, which I hardly have they'll, they'll, thought so. They'll build more bombs. Let's go <laughs> and invade more third world countries. They, they need to raise some more money to go and invade Iran and Venezuela. Venezuela? <laughs> Cross between Venezuela and Australia. Um, Is that, do you know something we don't can? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I'm here to announce a new merger. Uh, Hugo Chavez and John Howard got together. Um, that would be one strange-looking kid. Anyway, I just read through this <laughs> Wet Machine article, and he's basically saying it doesn't have a chance in hell of getting through, and just ignore it. So anyway... Yeah, don't just ignore it, people. This is the look-into-my-eyes thing, Cam, exactly what you were saying in your other shows. I mean, uh, okay, fair enough. Hopefully it's not true, but at least, you know, be wary. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But, you know, FON wouldn't require this, would it? Because FON would just route around this. No, it, this is exactly the point. This FON falls right smack in the middle of all of this, man, because it, in one article I've just had a quick look at, and I haven't read it properly, people, so take everything I say with a pinch of salt, um, it, they're unclear as to whether or not the tax would go on people that make devices or people that would, uh, you know, do the service of or whatever. But but FON will f- fits into both of those, right, because they're talking about not necessarily making the devices but at least shipping um, ones already. Um, with their, their software loaded into, but they make the, the software and stuff like that. So these guys could end up having to pay taxes. So FON could get taxed by the government for building a free wireless network. 
which would then obviously they would try and pass that on to the actual users who are actually using these devices to make up the web so yeah. it doesn't become free anymore that's right so it's it's not a good policy and needs looking at carefully and hopefully it's not correct and it's all a load of hooey but uh, but we'll see it sounds like a, just a way to get around to like You've, you used to regulate all your airwaves and charge, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars to have a bit of spectrum. Sounds like they're going, well, we're running out of spectrum, but we're getting a lot more devices out there. Let's just, let's cash in on that. Or it's well, a way of going, of, of trying to protect the existing media mon- monopolies who are going, well, shit, our business is getting, you know, white anted by all of these, you know, geeks and nerds with a computer who don't have to pay these big licensing you know, upfront costs that we had to pay, so let's find a way of shutting them down so they don't continue to threaten our revenues. Exactly, because to be honest with you, they're actually gaining spectrum because uh, analog TV is due to be switched off in several countries in a few years' time and digital requires less spectrum than analog. Um, so they've just gained a whole bucket load of spectrum back in their pocket. So... Um, so spectrum scarcity is well even a fallacy because of the the way you know we can now filter stuff anyway um, but they're actually starting to regain some of the spectrum mm. uh, we'll see how it plays out man but you know I, I do think you're right there there is reason to be uh, to pay a lot of attention to these sorts of things the, the price of democracy is eternal vigilance is that it the price of freedom is eternal vigilance sounds good yeah because you know you you can absolutely be sure that there's a lot of people out there who would like to see this whole thing balked yeah absolutely telcos for instance Mm. so Bruce what news do you bring us from the land of the map of Tassie Uh, not a huge amount I well, I'm like you now, Cam, for the most part. I don't even watch the news on television. I haven't even tuned it or read newspapers. All, all my stuff's internet-based, so there isn't a huge amount of news that comes out of Tassie based on the internet. Um, you should have been here um, in the first part of the show when we were watching the trailer for Basic Instinct 2. Oh, I saw that last night. <laughs> <laughs> that, is that not the greatest trailer in history? Well, they're definitely trying to sell their assets out, aren't they? <laughs> and I was saying, it's got enough sex scenes in that trailer that, you know, I don't need anything else. A couple of minutes, I'm going to, I'm just, you guys talk amongst yourselves, I'm just going to watch it a little bit more. <laughs> oh, he's got Sharon on the desk. Oh, he's got her up against a wall. Well, he's got her up against another wall. I think that's the definition of a teaser Ooh, trailer. dead body, blood everywhere. Man, that's great. <laughs> oh, Sharon's got her fingers in her mouth. Body being dragged. Oh, sex on. Oh, Sharon's doing it to herself in a car. No, oh man, more sex Ma- scenes. Maybe we should be leaving you alone. Sex scenes. Man. Well, I already offered that he go off oh. and uh, spend some time alone, but he, oh. he said he didn't need it. He said he only he only needs two minutes. Is basically what he said. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I need I need it. You know, I need to keep going back every couple of minutes, man. I'm, no, he needs a, he needs an audience. <laughs> I'm ready again. Yeah, the audience just makes it better. Man, this is just one of this is the greatest trailer. I, I love what they've done with this. We we had an audience at the beginning of the show, but when Cameron started watching it, we we started losing most of it quickly. Just they all, <laughs> well, they all went to download it and check it out. They're all, they're all they're all they're all getting in on the action. 
the Sharon Stone action. So you should have You also should have been here, Bruce, because we were talking earlier on about Chris Anderson's post today uh, about the death of the blockbuster, looking at box office receipts and box office attendance and how it's declining. We were talking about what a load of crap King Kong was. What did you think of King Kong, mate? I enjoyed it as a fun ride. Had some problems with it, but I, overall, just yeah, I, I had fun with it, which is all I wanted. Not the answer you really wanted, is it? No. You and, <laughs> and after the big build-up, I gave you a shot. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I'm gonna so go in so and just edit all that out now. He's, today. Cam's marked you as the authority in movies, and and you come up with that response. We need something uh, deeper, man. Deeper. Give us deeper. the psychological impact of, of King Kong, and let's not talk about Peter no, Jackson's balls anymore. It's special effects for special effects sake. There was absolutely no point of that film. There was no reason. It did nothing that the original film from the 30s well, would do. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was it, pointless. It, completely fucking pointless film. Well, most remakes are pointless. Unless it's a complete revisioning, it's no point in doing it. But if, like, the director, Peter Jackson, he he's just a fanboy of the film. He's Instead of doing it on a um, small budget in your backyard, he's gotten to, what, is he 40 or something now? And he's just gone, well, I've got a big budget and I've got the name. I'll just do it my way. doesn't matter if it's going to be um, like shown to anybody I, I, you, you probably only reason he's happy to get it out there is because he needs to make the money back but I bet you if he really came down to straws of it you'd just go well I've settled a lifelong dream and if nobody liked it screw him I did what I wanted to do and I've got no problem with that I, I said in defence that, that, that filmmakers should make films that are works of passion and works of love I've got no problem with that my problem is with this whole Films that are just vehicles for the latest special effects technology and have served no other purpose. But, you know, the good thing, I'm sure you'll agree, the good thing if you look at the uh, films that are getting recognised in the Academy Awards this year, best film, you know, they're all uh, character-driven storylines. Good Night and Good Luck, Munich, uh, Crash, Brokeback um, Mountain. About time, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's a great thing to see. And, and a lot of these, not only are they character-driven stories... They are political stories. Crash, Munich, and uh, Good Night and Good Luck, in particular. Obviously, um, Brokeback Mountains. You know, uh, you know, what is it? Well, it's a story it's, about homophobia, really. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that Munich's in there because it's um, pretty much a scene for scene remake of another film, which eludes me at the moment. Really, I hadn't heard that. There you go. Yeah, it was based a, on the book Vengeance. Yeah, there's a there's a film from uh, no early '80s which is very very similar to it in, uh, in all respects. So oh, I'd the sort of Gideon, the TV movie. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Darren yeah, Barefoot. I remember reading on Darren Barefoot's blog. So, so Mr. Spielberg's tricked everybody in thinking he's done a nice original film, but really, he's just rehashing something. It's great, great story and all, but um, come on, Mr. Spielberg, it's time you went back to your roots. Mm. But, um, uh, well, Spielberg, you know, in, in his defence, based the film on uh, George Jonas's book, Vengeance, and sort of Gideon was based on the same book. So if, you, if two filmmakers make a film based on the same book, yeah, they're, they're going to be a lot alike, right? Yeah, true. I wouldn't believe anything Darren Barefoot says anyway. Darren's been slagging off podcasting for the last year, so he obviously has his head up his ass. <laughs> he's, he's Canadian, so, I mean, you know, what do you want? <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. 
There we uh, go. So there's, there's another half of the listeners gone. Yeah, screw them. Um, Microsoft, uh, <laughs> Microsoft Alooms, which apparently is a fancy word for people who don't work at Microsoft anymore. I've just got my membership to the Microsoft Alumni Network, <laughs> <laughs> which is I got my membership card in the mail. What's that allow you to go to their library or um, get get a discount at the um, Microsoft bar somewhere? You, Do you have a special handshake? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have to talk in code? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have to talk like Bill Gates and rock backwards and forwards on your heels when you talk to people and say, <laughs> This decade is the decade of the digital devices. Um... Does it require you to run out and buy an Xbox 360 when it comes out in Australia? I, I have actually made a decision not to buy one when they come out. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm um, the same. I've made a decision that I want one, but because I'm now unemployed, I can't afford one. Well, that's, you know, if I had a job, I'd probably get one as well. But, you know, if, if I was really, really, really excited about it, like I was when the Xbox originally came out, I would get one regardless. I mean, I can justify it as a tax dodge, because... I, I produce the Media Centre show, and it's a Media Centre thing, and we've got the gaming show and whatever. I can say, yeah, it's for research, because I'm the executive producer of those shows. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but um, but it's just, I'm not excited. I mean, I am excited about it, and a year from now, when there's 100 games for it, when Halo 3 comes out, I'll probably get it um, to play Halo 3 on. But unless some games come out that really get me excited, I can't be fucked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't get a chance to don't get a chance to play the damn thing. That's the problem with mine. I mean, I've got the the Xbox and it's modded and all, and we use it to watch um, uh, DVDs and TV shows that have been downloaded and stuff like that. But we, uh, I don't know, I can't remember the last time to play the game. I just don't have time to play them. Of course, this this show and the podcast network does not recommend modding of Xboxes because uh, it's no, no, reality it's, is kind no, of it's, being no, tested under yeah, yeah, last Australia. Yeah, yeah, but but it's fine. <laughs> I should be. It's a, it's exactly the same as buying a CD and being told you can't rip a CD to 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 your iPod. That's it's yeah. exactly the same law. I, I bought the damn. For it, I should be able to do whatever the fuck. Yeah, I want if I want to rip exactly. the damn thing apart and solder in something else, yeah, stick exactly. it up your bum. Yeah, that's yeah. my choice. Exactly. Fuck you and the lawyers that you wrote in on. <laughs> yeah, and that's and now that, that's the thing with the Xbox 360. There's nothing there yet which makes me want to like use it. Like yeah. I don't play games that much. If they bring out a high definition Xbox Media Center, then I'll um, yeah possibly be tempted. Then if the price is right, Larry Emder. Larry Emder should have his own uh, Xbox game. Larry Emder. He's the host of Price is Right. Price is Right, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, Larry Emder. He's in this country, anyway. That, that would suck, because you get, like, your virtual um, bits and pieces and your virtual money, and what are you going to do with it? <laughs> uh, now, um, if, can I get back onto this Microsoft story now, you pricks? Yeah, actually, I'd like to ask... A question that kind of is aligned with that. So one of the, the links to it is Thomas Hawke's Digital Connection, who's actually a fairly big Flickr fanboy. Uh, does anyone know what else Thomas Hawke does? Because he's he, he, um, he actually went to the dinner the other night with... Um, who's the guy from Microsoft? 
a whole bunch of people that got invited to dinner, a bunch of bloggers. And uh, from what I can gather, Thomas is mainly a digital media type guy, enthusiast who's who's got a blog. But there must be something else um, that he's done. A fantastic photographer as well, by the way. Mm. Have you heard of Thomas Hawke before? Yeah, I've been reading his blog for Yonks and, um, you know, looking, I think you put me onto his Flickr groups, didn't you, recently? What's that Flickr group that he's part of? I don't know. No? Oh, okay. No idea. Sorry. By the way, I set up my own Flickr group last night, but that's in the story. Anyway, can I get out of the story? <laughs> we'll allow you. Go on, go on. Turning it's not like it's your show. Turning into such a whiny bastard today. Um... Yeah, there's the, the so a bunch of uh, very high-profile ex-Microsoft guys, including Brad Silverberg, who's pretty much the guy behind Microsoft and the internet. <laughs> uh, he was the guy who sort of headed up the whole IE build out and got Microsoft away from the idea of proprietary networks and onto the the, the public internet back in the early nineties. Um, Brad Chase, who was uh, I worked for Brad Chase for a while. I don't think I I think I joined Microsoft after Brad Silverberg left, but I know a lot of people uh, missed him dearly after he left because the company sort of lost the plot uh, from an internet perspective after Silver- Silverberg pulled the pin. Uh, Brad Chase I worked for for a while, and Brad Schick, who I don't know, Mike Tutoni, who I don't know, but apparently is uh, one of the guys responsible for creating the media centre. Um, they've set up this thing which is basically like a, 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 a Flickr ripoff. Um, a, a site called Vizrea Snap, V-I-Z-R-E-A. So it's uh, a service for camera phone users, digital photos, so you can share, organise, print, blog, blah 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 blah. You know, I, you know, my first reaction is, damn, why would you want to go up against Flickr? But my second reaction is, well, you know, who's the number two uh, for Flickr? I mean, who's keeping Flickr honest? Uh, is there a number two? There's, there's a bunch of different ones. I mean, if the number two would probably be so far behind that that's why you probably haven't heard of them. But, uh, no, yeah, I mean... There's, there's always room for number two. Oh, there always is. For it's a whole fabulous. bunch of reasons. You want to get bought by a Microsoft or Yahoo, so you're doing, you know, their R&D for them. You want to, uh, you know, come up with that new feature, that new service that the other guys haven't thought of. You want to innovate, you know. it's why... IE always needs a Firefox or a Netscape, you know, to force them to, uh, you know, not get lazy or slack and, you know... Well, competition's healthy. It is. And, and not that you can accuse Flickr of not <laughs> doing a great job, but now that they've got new big corporate owners, you know, there's a good chance that they could sort of lose their way if they don't have people snapping at their heels. Yeah, competition's always important. Um, so you're absolutely right, spot on. We we do need other people out there competing with these guys because otherwise people will just get greedy and become a monopoly. One of my old bosses from Microsoft, uh, Christophe Dumenet, he was sort of the last manager I had. He resigned just before me. Um, he's a Frenchman but knew nothing about Napoleon really until he met me. He just said... Uh, Hey, Cam, just listened to the Napoleon podcast on my flight San Francisco to Denver. Well done. Very informative, entertaining. I look forward to the next podcasts. Thank you, Christophe. Good bloke, Christophe. Wasn't a great manager. Bit weak. <laughs> Spineless. Didn't stand up for me. Really should have. Bit, a bit of a corporate, uh, you know, pussy. But, um, you know, pulled the pin and resigned and walked out. 
we're, um, leaving all of us in the lurch. I would just like to say, with the idiot that we had to report to, but, you know, can't blame him for that. He was looking after himself. <laughs> anyway. There you go, our last listener. Glad he liked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, can, I can hear them pressing the stop button now. <laughs> <laughs> Glad he liked the Napoleon show. So go out and listen to the Napoleon show, folks. Uh, <laughs> so I haven't been able to check out this um, uh, Viz Raya thing yet. I don't know if it's even live, is it? I, uh, they got a website. Have you guys checked it out? Played with it? Um, just I'm looking at it now. I haven't played with it. I mean, it, to be honest, it. Uh, you know, when you see a website and you go, "Ooh, I got to give that a go." This one just doesn't eek of that. I'd, you know, I'd move on pretty quickly. It looks like all of the other competitors to Flickr, and they're they're not as compelling and interesting as Flickr is. I mean, you know, I haven't looked into it. Do they have an open API? Do they use tags? All those kind of questions pop to pop to the front of my mind. Uh, here's, here's, here's my take on this. If you're going to go up against a flicker, if you're going to go up against an incumbent in any in anything, right? Right up front, when people first come to your website, you need to explain to them very, very quickly and simply what your killer value proposition is over and above what they're already using. Yep. Yeah. Now, maybe they're, they're coming at this from the perspective that, well, not that the entire world isn't using Flickr, and they have a, a, some sort of um, a distribution deal where they're going to get promoted to a whole new audience of people that don't already have an incumbent. And so this is just the first experience they've had. Maybe they're going to, you know, and you would assume with their connections they probably will, have links into some sort of Microsoft-based you know, promotion, distribution-type deal. But otherwise, I agree with you. Coming at it and looking at their site, um, being a Flickr user, I'm like, yeah, why would I bother? I've got Flickr, man. And by the way, I set up my first Flickr group last night. I hadn't played with the whole Flickr groups thing, Rich, and I set up the uh, TPN Napoleon podcast group because uh, David and I are going to be sharing our tr- two billion photos of Napoleonic stuff up there as a, an accompaniment sure. to the show because um, WordPress's ability to handle images and photos is... Um, a bit lacking. Fucked. Hey, you, hey you're, <laughs> you're a major WordPress guy, aren't you, Brucey? We went... <laughs> When, uh, we've been we've been really struggling to set up video feeds for some of our shows that are doing video yeah. as well as audio. So we went over to the first place I went was coolshite.net to um, shite. By the way, people is an Australian way of saying shit without saying shit. Um, yeah. And uh, to see how you guys were doing it, but you're not. You're just stuffing video down your regular feed, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I considered like if. If it was a permanent addition every week, I was going to run a um, separate category off WordPress and then just make that a different feed because you can run um, feeds off each category. Yeah, but w- w- the way that we had I mean, people don't care. But, yeah, the way that we had it set up was our, our regular feed was sort of the, the parent-level feed. So the, the, yep. the text-slash-podcast feed is the parent feed, but now we can't do that. We need to change that to a category feed. And we're having to reorganise our entire feed structure, which is a pain in the ass. But anyway. that, that's one of the reasons why I went when we set up Coolshite as a category feed to start off with, in case there was other things to change. Yeah. By the way, folks, um, Graham Sutherland tells me that his Fon hotspot in Frio is now up and running. How? how there you go. How amazing is that? Like we did the show with Graham two days ago. He didn't. He hadn't heard of Fon. When, when we said to him on the show, hey, we're talking about Fon, he Googled it, Googled the shit out of it, as Van would say, um, 
and you know, 48 hours later, he's up and running. Uh, got Fon a hot spot in Perth, which is a long way away from Shen- uh, from Madrid, <laughs> isn't that? That's where Fon's based, isn't it? Madrid. Yeah. Perth is about as he's far away from Madrid as you can go. Yeah. So there well, you go. Perth's about as far away as anywhere as you can go. Yeah. Hey, um, I like the uh, some of your photos, mate, but you need to put in comments because I'm assuming this picture of a hat is his original hat. Yeah, I, I was uploading them at 2 a.m. this morning, mate. So I. Yeah, so things to do. what's your point? <laughs> I haven't gone through and done all that yet. But I was just testing the whole group setup thing. But yes, I'll okay. go and comments. But yes, that is Nepal, one of Napoleon's Rigi Dij original hats, mate. That's pretty cool. Hey, Cam, I was going to ask you about one of your photos. You posted on your um, blog a little while ago that one of them's been um, accepted or put in, published in a book or was going yeah. to be. Yeah. And, that, and where, where's that photo from? Because on your um, Flickr, yet again, you have no comments. <laughs> yeah, I do. That one's got comments. It's it's very vague. I was just wondering, like, what is it like? It's obviously of a guy that's been in a volcano or something like that. Yeah. Where, where'd you take it? All that. Give us the backstory. <laughs> really? I love him. Yeah, I want to know. So you guys are great. Um. Yeah, so uh, when Belinda and I were in Italy in 2004, we went to Pompeii, and it's a photo of one of the victims of Pompeii. You ever heard of Pompeii, Bruce? There's yes, I have. called Mount Vesuvius that erupted mm-hmm. off the coast of Italy in 76 BC. Um, yeah, so that was that's one of the uh, victims that they have on display in a glass cabinet in Pompeii, and um, so I just took a shot of the guy's head of his skull, which I thought was you know kind of cool. And then I got an email from a gentleman out of uh, Oslo, I think, <laughs> a couple of days ago saying, hey, I'm doing a book on natural disasters. He's some, univer- some academic at a university in Oslo um, in Norway. And we're doing a book on uh, natural disasters, and I'd like to use your photo for the book. I was chuffed. You know, and, he, and he said, you know, can I have permission? I was like, yeah, man, go for your fucking life. That's awesome. I mean, I get a buzz out of that, you know. Again, it comes back to the whole citizen media kind of enablement that we have today where some guy in Oslo found a photo that a guy from Melbourne took of a corpse in, you know, Pompeii in Italy <laughs> and is going to put it in a book for other people to read. Because yeah. you need to make your photos um, under CC, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually, when I got that email from him, I went back and had a look at it to see what the permissions were because I didn't. I, I've never paid any attention to my permissions on Flickr, thinking that no one other than me was ever going to look at them. So uh, you're right. How do, how do you do that? Can you go into Flickr and actually change the copyright settings to a CC license? Yeah, yeah. They've got uh, pretty much any of the CC licenses, and you can set it up so that's your default, and you can change individual. Um, photographs to particular CC licenses or complete copyrights up to you. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, now, he probably still would have had to ask you. Uh, I've found that, you know, writing the book, you've got to ask for permission, get them to fill in a damn form and all that kind of archaic type things when it comes to uh, publications. But, um, but yeah, it's probably worthwhile uh, doing it since we're an open type of community. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm all about, uh, all for CC, as you know. I can't uh, easily find the place in Flickr where I set that. I'm just going to account settings, but I can't. Yeah, it'll be in your accounts, but what you'll probably need to do for, um, so 
go no, into your accounts. No, let's not do it now, Lich. It's not good. No. No, no, photo licensing no. under photo settings. Um, but you can also do it um, for each individual photo as well. Okay. Brucey, what yes. have you got for us, mate, before we wrap this bitch up? Um, not a huge amount. I, I've been talking to the university down here and a few other places about the um, devil tumour disease because we're doing um, that little, we're sending that little plush toy around our listeners and I want to put that out in the world just to tell people about our little Tassie devil and how he's been decimated by this little disease at the moment. Yeah, now, now for our international listeners, <laughs> pretending that we have some, um, Tell us a little bit about the Tassie Devil. What is the Tasmania Devil, apart from being a uh, cartoon character on Warner Brothers cartoons? Um, well, he's a little... If you go to coolshite.net, you'll see some photos of our plush toy, but very similar looking, actually, to the plush toy. They're just a, um, like a... Not a, there's sort of a carnival that runs around, but they clean up all the scrap around the bush and stuff like that. And they're only located in Tasmania, and we're an island state below um, the rest of the mainland of Australia for your international listeners. And known <laughs> <laughs> well, for inbreeding between the uh, population, uh, two-headed. Uh, a lot of two-headed that's only the um, Victorians that come down here and do that. Ah, nice one. I'm a Queenslander, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not when you're in Bundy, you don't you don't say that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so it's a little animal. Does it yeah, really it's... spin around really fast and destroy no. its path? No, but it's always fun to tell um, some tourists that they do that and you can't get insurance for wooden buildings and things. <laughs> but, no, they're... Um, yeah, they're um, becoming, well, they've actually been officially put on the um, threatened list. Um, in the last three to five years, they've actually, um, these tum- cancerous tumours have been popping up on their faces and making them get to the point where they starve to death because they can't eat. And, and it's, never been, it's never been around before, this disease? No, it's, it's just it's, a new thing. It's just a new thing. It's just turned up and it's killed almost over 50% of the population. So they're... We're having big panics about it. They're, like, going full on about it. So with our, our little thing where we're doing with our listeners at Coolshite, we're um, sending a little plush toy around our listeners um, just to see where he ends up around the world. But I'm going to throw in some um, material about the actual disease in it and see if it ends up on anybody's hands in the media worldwide. Very good, mate. Well, I'll put links both to uh, Coolshite and uh, the Wikipedia article on the Tasmanian Devil up on the blog so our listeners can check it both out. But congratulations on the show too, mate. It's As you know, I'm a big fan of the show and uh, I used to listen to it as much these days as I used to. No, that's fair enough. You're a busy man. But, I, but it, it's still coming down to my iTunes feed, though, so you're still getting my number, my, my subscription <laughs> number, though. I just don't listen to it all that often. But I, I, I do enjoy listening. It's a lot of fun, and I've discovered a lot of very cool films. Hey, just before you go, tell me about the coolest discovery, film-wise, that you've made recently that most people will not be aware of. Uh, good question. Um, when it came off the top of my head, which I talked to you about, um, Primer. Uh, it's a cool indie film out of, I think it's the US, that um, time travel. It's very low budget, but very um, not dumbed down in any way whatsoever. And it does your head in, but really good flick to watch, especially if you're into that sort of stuff. Mm, excellent. Have you seen Wonka Wise Fallen Angels? No, I haven't. I just uh, watched that. I'm going to do that on the movie show uh, tomorrow night from uh, the early 90s. 
very, very great kind of French New Wave style about it, but, you know, set in Hong Kong, about a couple of killers, hitmen, hit girl, hitman and a hit woman, actually. Um, very, very slick little uh, Hong Kong, you know, action film, man. Very nice. Cool. I have to check it out. Well, thank you, boys. I think that is a show by the time I stitch these two bits together. Uh, last words, Richard Giles. Uh, I think I've rambled and ranted enough about oh, uh, oh, all oh, these oh, things. Oh, 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 before I forget, and I meant to do this on the show you and I did the other day, I wanted to point everyone to that uh, gadget show you put out recently with, what's the guy's name from O'Reilly Media? Oh, yeah, yeah, Daniel Steinberg. Yeah, Daniel Steinberg, really interesting chat you had with this guy about his background and radio and what he's doing with O'Reilly. O'Reilly, as you rightly said on the show, is one of the, you know, coolest companies working out there in media at the moment, definitely. Uh, you know, yeah, and Tim's a, Tim O'Reilly, pretty switched on guy, so, uh, and, and yeah, it was good fun speaking to Daniel, and it was, it was a good show, so yeah, people should uh, swing on over and check it out, and, and, and while we're rambling and ranting a bit, people should uh, go to Podcast Alley and vote for Gay World and what, any other TPNers, and also Cool Shot on the Tube and stuff like that, so... Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yep. Suck up those Aussie podcasts, people. Let the world know that Aussies have a voice. <laughs> because we use it to talk about Peter Jackson's testicles, but uh, <laughs> it's a voice nonetheless. All right, boys. Well, thanks for joining us, Brucey. You're welcome anytime, mate. No problem. Glad to be on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Rick Bruce. Cardo. Thank you. I'm going to go and have some lunch. See ya. See ya. Oh, before we go. <laughs> He's still there. Yes. <laughs> One last thing that I meant to promote before I forget. I just went to Alt-Tab, and that reminded me I had to talk about it. The latest version of Top Desk for Windows. Bruce, are you a Mac or a Windows guy? Uh, primarily Mac, but I do have a um, Windows desktop used for um, other things. And Rich is a Mac guy, so you guys aren't going to get any value of this. But check out Top Desk, people, as a very cool Alt-Tab little add-on. Yeah, I saw that. Wow. Yeah, and the new one's got this sort of Windows Vista stacking feature of the Windows. It's a little bit... Uh, there's, a, there's a tiny lag on both my desktop and my laptop when I use it, and it's you know, a little bit performance-hungry, and there's a couple of things I don't like about it um, in, in that, you know, uh, the way that Alt-Tab normally works on Windows, you kind of will natively tab to the last window that you used, so if you're using, if you've got ten windows open and you're using two of them, you'll sort of flick between those two when you alt tab rather than have to go back to the beginning of the stack. The way that top desk seems to work for me at the moment in the stack mode is I have to go through all ten windows are open before I get back to the last one. You know, it's not that sort of not as intuitive yet. Yeah, but it's pretty. <laughs> all right. And for Mac users, go and have a look at Desktop Manager, a pretty boring name, but it's actually quite good and allows you to have separate kind of windows that uh, that you can put different applications in and then you can move between them in very, very funky ways. Mm, very Linux-like. Yes. And cool. for, the, for those of you uh, Mac users out there, i just like to say, you know, what's taking you so long to realise that you're getting ripped off? <laughs> Alright, end of conversation See you later <laughs> <laughs> See you boys See ya
Real power can't be given. It must be taken.